0: Hello to whoever's out there is watching. Welcome to my podcast. It's called Weird Wars, where we discuss wars that are strange, weird, not really well known about, had weird causes, stuff like that. Just wars, battles, conflicts that you normally don't hear about in the history books. But I find them interesting, and I hope you do too. So how do you know that I know this stuff? Well, I am a high school senior history buff who just knows a lot of random information and that I will never use in the real world other than through stuff like this. So here we are. So... I thought of a ton of interesting wars, battles, and other conflicts that are weird, interesting, not really well talked about that I could do, but... I have this, So, to do this, I have decided to put them all into a random riser I found on the internet. And, uh, just do with the first one that pops up. So... Here it goes. Okay, so I just did the random w- riser. And, ooh, it picked a fun one for us to start out with. So, this isn't really a war, per se. Uh but I found it interesting, so I thought I'd throw it in. So as we know, World War Two was the largest war in history. Countries from all over the world participated, you know, US, Germany, Russia, but uh also some smaller countries that you might have thought of participated, in, and uh one of those was Mexico, believe it or not. So Mexico uh declared war on the Axis powers in nineteen forty two after some German U-boats uh, torpedoed uh, several oil tankers off the coast of Mexico. So, Mexico joined the Allied powers. Uh, most countries in Latin America eventually declared war on the Axis powers, usually Germany. Uh, but they didn't really do much. They would usually, like, Argentina, for example, they declared war, like, a couple weeks before the war ended. And they they didn't do anything. They just wanted the cloud of being able to say, who I was on the winning side. But Mexico was one of a few, uh, few Latin American countries that not only decla- actually declared war on the Axis powers and entered the war but also uh, sent soldiers over to fight in the in the war uh, they didn 't send that many uh, They sent a small group of planes, the Mexican expeditionary Air Force, over to the Pacific theater to fight the Japanese so they uh, went over with the Americans they mainly were used to help during the liberation of the Philippines. Uh, they would do bombing runs over the Philippine Islands, several other um, occupied Pacific Islands, and Taiwan, which was occupied by the Japanese at the time. And there wasn't a ton of them. It was only a single squadron. But they are apparently very famous in Mexico today. And they're very proud that they sent soldiers over. I don't know. I just always thought that's fascinating. I mean, imagine you're a Japanese pilot. you are been told you're going to go shoot down... These Americans who are trying to take back the land that you stole from the other countries. And you're in your plane, flying over, and then you see, like, a Mexican airplane. With you, That's just not something you see every day. Uh, there's really not much information on how successful they were. They presumably got a few kills in, and they obviously, and anything helps. But I just found that interesting. You know, it's one of the lesser known stories of World War II. Okay, so I guess we'll do another one. Let me fire up the little randomizer thing. And it looks like Okay, the Anglo-Zanzibar War. Okay. So, the Anglo-Zanzibar War, little known war. It's uh not really talked about uh because of how short it was. It is the shortest uh, recorded war in history. Uh we're not exactly sure how short it was, because of their varying accounts, but most put it to be around, get this, 45 minutes long. The shortest war in history was less than an hour. So, this war was between uh, the British Empire and the Sultanate of Zanzibar. Zanzibar is uh, an archipelago off the coast of what is now Tanzania. Uh, back in the olden days, they were uh, in their own independent country. So, the British... Wanted to exert control over Zanzibar as like a protectorate, but the they their sultan obviously did not want that, and wanted to side with um get protection from other European powers, so the British, under uh, Rear Admiral Harry Rawson and Admiral Lloyd Matthews, uh, threatened to fire on the capital of Zanzibar if the sultan did not not only surrender, but abdicate, so that way the British could install a new leader that would be more willing to follow their demands and be essentially a puppet. Naturally, the Sultan of Zanzibar refused this request, and after the time was up, the British ordered their navy to open fire on the Zanzibar, or, uh, Sultan's palace. So, this tiny palace with a couple of small um lightly armed guardsmen and maybe one or two small boats versus the British Royal Navy. Uh I guess you could probably guess who won. But that is the shortest war ever. Uh not many casualties, actually. Uh there was one British sailor who was wounded, other than that. But on the Zanzibar side, about five hundred were killed, which sounds a lot, but from a war um perspective that's actually not a ton. I mean Compared to the British, obviously, yes. But it's not really that important of a war, really. Nothing really... I mean, the British got more control over Zanzibar's affairs, but it's not like the Zanzibar's like a strategically important island or anything. So nothing really important came out of it. But it's interesting, because the shortest war ever in record history is about 45 minutes. So, I did the shortest war, talked about that, the Inglisanzibar War. So, we might as well talk about the longest war. I think that one is a bit more interesting than the Inglisanzibar War. So, the longest war, according to most historians, there's some disagreements, which I'll get to a bit and why this is kind of considered an iffy subject. But, according to most historians, the longest war that has been recorded was the this goes by several different names, but uh, a lot of times it's called the 335 Years War because that's how long it lasted. Uh, it was fought between the, the Dutch, so the Netherlands, and the Isles of Scilly, which are a small group of islands off of the coast of the UK. Uh, so there is a little bit of history, I have to, context I have to do behind this. So the English Civil War... Uh, was fought in the mid-1640s uh, between those who were loyal to uh, King Charles I of England and those who supported the parliament over him. Parliament beat the royalists. created this weird period where, like, England was ruled by a republic, but it was also, like, a fascist dictatorship. It's weird. Anyway, so immediately after that war ended, the parliamentarians controlled all of... England and parts of Scotland and stuff, uh, with the exception of the Isles of Scilly, which were still controlled by the Royalists. Now at this time, the Royalists had pretty much surrendered. They were kind of doing only the, like the last bit of the surrender process, uh, but the islands were still kind of kept around as uh, just in case we want to start fighting again. So it's kind of like how like Taiwan, where the people of, of the Republic of China on Taiwan claim all of China, but only in practice control, just the island of Taiwan. So it's kind of like that. Um, anyway, so the Dutch, realizing that the parliamentarians were going to win and wanted to be on their good side, decided to uh, declare war on specifically the Isles of Silly, because that was the last stronghold of the royalists. And it, this um, um, the declaration of war... Didn't really mean much because, again, the war was pretty much over anyway. So the, the Dutch didn't really take any action. They kind of just said, we declare war. And then they, they left because they knew the war was over. And because of this, uh, both sides probably forgot about this declaration of war for 335 years until uh, the Margaret Thatcher years, uh, 1986, when a historian at the Isles of Silly found some document in a library discussing this, um, so-called declaration of war, and they realized that no one had bothered to end this war. So, they, representatives from the Isles of Scilly, the British government, and the, the uh, Dutch government got together and officially declared peace in 1986. And again, the war officially started in 1651, which is pretty impressive. Now, some historians kind of debate this, because there's still kind of an issue on whether or not the obviously facility can be counted as a country, or if they were part of the UK, or that stuff. Some people argue that the guy who actually declared war in the name of the Dutch on England didn't have the authority to, but for the most part, this is still kind of accepted as at least a pseudo-war that happened. And it's interesting, so... That's the 335 Years' War, the longest war in history. <laughs> Alright, so the next war I have is the War in Vietnam. No, it's not the actual Vietnam, the one you're probably thinking of right now. So, there were actually several quote-unquote Vietnam Wars that were fought in the mid-to-late 20th century uh these were called the Indochina Wars. The one we usually call the Vietnam War was is the last of these. The first one of which, of uh, these Indochina Wars, happened in 1945 to 1946. Now, again, like most of these weird wars, these, this one didn't really have that much effect on world events or any of your history. But it is interesting, because of the people who fought in it, which I'll get to. So, in 1945... no, well, let me backtrack. So... During World War II, the Japanese invaded much of the East and Southeast Asia, including what was then known as French Indochina, which includes part of what is we now call Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. These were French colonies, and the Japanese decided to occupy them and harvest their resources and stuff. So, after the World War II ended, the French decided to send their soldiers over to try to take the uh, land back from the Japanese, which they had pretty much surrendered, but there were a few couple holdouts and then a couple of people, resistance fighters, who didn't want the French back either. And then to help them out, the British sent a couple soldiers over because the French army had drastically um, decreased in size because they lost a number of men fighting in the war. So, <clears throat> the Viet Minh, led by Ho Chi Minh, the, which would later become the Viet Cong, uh, decided that this would be a great opportunity with all the chaos going around with this trying to transfer power from Japan back to France with in Vietnam, to uh launch their guerrilla campaign to create a, and start uh to create an independent communist Vietnam, so they started launching terrorist attacks and guerrilla warfare everywhere. They weren't as strong in the, as they were in the sixties and seventies, but they still got a lot of attacks in the north, especially. And this, the French and the British authorities didn't really know what to do because they, the country was in chaos already. They had to deal with these guerrillas on top of that. And there wasn't that many of them to actually help fight them. So then they thought of the idea. There are a bunch of these Japanese soldiers that are still in the country that haven't been taken back to Japan and they're in a lot of POWs. Let's arm them. So, there's remember, immediately after World War II, the French and the British and the Japanese joined forces to fight the precursors of the Viet Cong. So, together, they dropped all of their old biases towards each other and defeated the Viet Minh. And that um, helped stop them for now. This one has a little bit more of... An impact than the other ones just because it probably did slow Po Chi Minh's plans down by a couple of years. The Vietnam War, maybe if, like, if, if this hadn't succeeded, then maybe he could have conquered Vietnam, like, two or three years earlier than he did in our timeline. But it, it probably helped a little bit, so enemies putting aside their differences to ha- fight a common enemy. Alright, so the final war for this episode is going to be the Football War, fought between El Salvador and Honduras. So, the reason it's called the Football War is because it technically was started over a soccer match. I mean, there's more to it, and I'll explain. So, El Salvador and Honduras are Central American countries that border each other. There are a large number of, of Salvadorians that lived... In Honduras to for work, and they were kind of mistreated by the local populace. They were kind of seen as, you know, stealers of jobs and illegal immigrants and stuff. So they weren't really. There was a lot of tension between the two countries over this. Yeah, because uh, Honduras wanted um, El Salvador to shut down its border, and they refused. And then, uh, the World Cup hit FIFA. So. And El Salvador and Honduras, wouldn't you know it, uh, both got in the tournament and were playing each other. So tensions were understandably very high between them. And at the at the final game between the two, uh, El Salvador won three to two, and Honduras, the the Honduran fans flipped out uh, and they started rioting over the fact that these like these terrible. Salvadorians defeated the, their illustrious sport of football. And tensions basically snapped. And all because of all these causes, the two countries declared war. Over a football match, a soccer match. So, yeah. So, it basically, the war wasn't... Since the two countries are really small, it basically turned into a proxy war with the U.S. because the U.S. likes to interfere with all uh, Central American conflicts. And a couple of days after the war ended, the U.N. got in and made sure that the both sides declared peace, and they managed to fix out their differences. Uh, El Salvador agreed to tighten their border controls if Honduras agreed to stop mistreating uh, Salvadorians, which they also agreed. So the war ended, but... A war over a soccer match, you would have thought. And uh, I think that is it for our episode today. So, bye.